I'm Marco Werman. This is The World. Take yourself back one year ago and consider the Japanese prefecture of Fukushima. It was a thriving, if somewhat obscure, corner of Japan. Today, though, the region is infamous. Much of it is empty, and 80,000 evacuees are living in limbo. The reason, of course, is what happened on March 11, 2011. That's when a massive tsunami smashed into the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant on Japan's east coast. It caused a triple meltdown, massive releases of radiation, and an unprecedented crisis for the country. A year later, the cleanup at the plant has barely begun. And as Sam Eaton reports from the exclusion zone, no one knows if it will ever be finished. It's the moment when the alarms on the Geiger counters all start going off at once that it sinks in. The bus I'm on is taking me inside a 12-mile ring around the Fukushima nuclear power plant that just about everyone else has been evacuated from. Up the coast, last year's earthquake and tsunami destroyed entire towns and left mountains of wreckage. But here, the devastation is invisible. I'm sitting here in a Tyvek suit, completely covered, looking out at abandoned fields, towns that used to be crowded with people. Now nobody's here except for the animals that were left behind. I've come here to see firsthand how the cleanup is progressing in some of the most contaminated areas. It's still early. The first phase of the cleanup only began in January, after the government finally declared the plant stable. Less than a mile from the Fukushima plant, we reach one of 19 model cleanup sites. Government contractors are shoveling dirt into thick plastic bags after tearing up the driveway to an abandoned house. Across the road, tractors scrape soil from a contaminated rice field. But the most dangerous radiation levels at this site are in a tall stand of cedars. My interpreter and I head over for a closer look. We're walking into the forest right now. There's very, very high doses very of high, radiation. Very high. What we're looking yeah. at is like yeah. forest and <laughs> rivers. And you get a sense of how difficult it is to clean up this kind of stuff. And that's the crux of the challenge. The Japanese government says it wants to make the entire fallout area, all 8,000 square miles of it, safe to live in again. But no one's ever really tried something like this before. So the contractors and scientists are using sites like this one to try to see what works and what doesn't. They're digging up soil, spraying chemical fixation agents, even blasting iron shot over paved surfaces. But so far, the results have been uneven at best. In the stand of cedars, workers have removed branches, leaf debris, even some of the topsoil, exposing the tree's roots. But now they may also have to remove the trees themselves because radiation levels are still more than 600 times the government's goal. The voice on the bullhorn is Shinichi Nakayama, a nuclear engineer with the Japan Atomic Energy Agency. He's overseeing this initial phase of the cleanup, and he says they're finding that forests are the most challenging areas, which is a problem. Nakayama says 70% of the contaminated land consists of forested hills and mountains. And he says he doesn't even know if it's possible to clean up this kind of terrain. But no is not an answer local officials are willing to accept. At the regional government's offices in Fukushima City, officials want a cleanup target of one millisievert of radiation exposure per year. Katsumasa Suzuki heads the government's decontamination division. 
Suzuki says he hopes the model cleanup projects will meet that target. He says that would pave the way for the larger decontamination effort and ultimately make it safe for the 80,000 evacuees to go home. But even if the effort succeeds, it raises another problem. What to do with all the waste? Back inside the evacuation zone, a sports field at an abandoned school has been transformed into a lined pit where cranes stack bags of contaminated soil for temporary storage. The cleanup is expected to generate at least three and a half billion cubic feet of radioactive waste. The government still doesn't know where all that waste will go. And then there's the question, once the cleanup is finally complete, what kind of place will the evacuees be going back to? Shinichi Nakayama, the official overseeing the initial decontamination, says there are limits to how much cleaning the natural environment can take. It's one of the biggest dilemmas here. The more radioactive material you remove to make the area safe for humans, the more damage you're doing to the land, creating a whole new set of environmental problems and potentially throwing off the entire balance of the local ecosystem. Kiyomi Yakota says he thinks it's an impossible undertaking. Yakota is an environmentalist from Fukushima. I met him at a restaurant in Koryama City, 37 miles west of the nuclear plant. He says if all the trees are removed, the still radioactive soils would erode into the rivers or the fields where the farmers grow their food, recontaminating areas even after they've been cleaned. Yakota says instead the government should do what the Soviet Union did after the Chernobyl disaster, create a permanent no-go zone for the most contaminated areas, and then use some of the cleanup funds to help people relocate. These days, Yakota is doing independent radiation testing for a Japanese television company, and he says he's finding hot spots in places the government has declared safe. Yakota says he no longer lets his three-year-old daughter play outside and he's careful about the food they eat. He'd like to leave, he says, but he doesn't have the means. And even if the government did help people like Yakota relocate, Japan, unlike the Soviet Union, is already a very crowded country. Today, one year after the disaster, most of the evacuees live in compact, temporary housing, and there are very few places they could go to recreate the coastal farms, many of them left behind. I met a group of evacuated dairy farmers at a community center in Minamisoma, just north of the evacuation zone. They show me pictures they took the first time they were allowed to go back to their farms. Nearly every one of their cows had died. One photograph shows a thick wooden beam that's been chewed through by a starving animal. Unlike Kiyomi Yakota, 62-year-old Issei Hangui says he wants to return to his hometown for good. But even if the government declares his farm safe, he wonders whether consumers will ever trust his milk again. And why should they, he asks. He and all the other farmers I talk to say they don't trust the government anymore either. Shinji Watanabe, who's 53, says he still can't decide whether or not he'll return to his farm, even if he's allowed to. He says he can't get enough information from the government to know whether or not it's safe. He says it would be one thing for him and his wife to return. They've already lived much of their lives. But his dreams of working with his son and eventually his grandchildren are gone, and he can't imagine growing old without them.
And that raises yet another dilemma in the legacy of Fukushima. Even if the government spends tens, even hundreds of billions of dollars cleaning up the contaminated zone, no one knows if residents like Watanabe even want to return. For The World, I'm Sam Eaton, Fukushima, Japan. You can see Sam's pictures of the Fukushima cleanup effort and hear his earlier report on the struggle to rebuild towns destroyed by the tsunami. That's all at theworld.org. This is PRI.